Okay, here's a picture of Asaph selling his birthright to uh, Jacob. The thing is, you have to look at the faces. You have to look at the faces of the two protagonists. And uh, see, one is, the, one is obviously an intellectual, because he has that kind of a beard. Yeah. And he has that kind of face that spends too much time reading. And the other one is a Kazakh. Right, right. He's, um, you know, so you, all these weapons, you, you know. You, you don't have to, like, figure it out. It's, right. it's, it's all there. Figured. It's there. Anyway, this is the most wonderful parashat <laughs> because it talks about everybody's family. You know, everybody has a brother, everybody has a father, everybody has a mother, and, and the, the way they distribute themselves, right, in every family is not the same. There's a difference. Sometimes the father does better, sometimes the mother does better. Mm. All of these things are in this week's parashat. But we can't learn all of the parsha together, but we'll learn a little bit of it. The parsha begins, the parsha begins, Ve'ele toldot Yitzchak ben Avraham, Avraham holidet Yitzchak. So you know that there's always a, a problem about where to start a story. You know, if you had to tell a story about something that you know happened, but you know, you have to get a run into the story, you have to start from somewhere. You can't just tell the story. So you, you, have to, you have to tell the story. You have to tell the story with a beginning. You have to begin, begin someplace. So this Pasuk tells us, this Pasuk tells us that the story is the story of Toldot Yitzchak ben Abraham. Yitzchak ben Abraham, I mean, it's a, a son connected to his father. Right? There's, a, there's a connection. Now we know about Yitzchak, and we know about Abraham, right? Yitzchak was was pure. Everything was <coughs> simple to him, to Yitzchak. God said it, we do it. It was all very obvious and very simple. And Abraham, who led Yitzchak, means that that part of the story was done. Abraham had a son. This was not something that was obvious in the days of Abraham. It was the son had to be worthy. He had to be uh, a son that we, uh, that we could appreciate. So that's the first pasuk, right? That Eile toldot Yitzchak ben Abraham, Abraham asahat Yitzchak. There's already a little progress. Abraham has a son. He lives up to expectations, right? And now we're going to talk about Yitzchak because the toldot of Yitzchak are different. The, the demands on the toldot of Yitzchak are different because we want, to, we want to, after all, create a nation. And creating a nation means that everybody, every child, gets automatic entree into the nation. That's what happened at the time of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. There were no... Uh, uh, demands. Once you were the son of one of the sons of Yaakov, then you were then you were in. Okay. Uh, Rashi Rashi says. Abraham olided Yitzchak al yidei shekatav 
הכתוב יצחק בן אברהם, יצחק בן אברהם, הוזקק לומר אברהם הוליד את יצחק. רש"י is dealing with a רש"י kind of problem, which is not so interesting to me at the moment, but רש"י is interested in sentence structure. How come it says, how come it says יצחק בן אברהם, אברהם הוליד את יצחק, אבל of course if יצחק is the son of אברהם, so רש"י has got to say something about that. הוזקק לומר אברהם הוליד את יצחק לפי שהיו ליצני הדור אומרים, ליצני הדור are silly people, they said me אבימלך נתעברה שרה. Remember there was the story of Abraham going down to, or going to אבימלך, and maybe that's where it happened that she became pregnant. שהרי כמה שנים שהתה שם אברהם ולא נית אברהמנו, he was there several years and she didn't become pregnant. מה עשה הקדוש ברוך הוא? What did God do? צר קלאסטר פניו של יצחק דומה לאברהם. He made it so that the child looked like his father. That was like but as good as a genetic proof as you could get in those days. צר קלאסטר פניו של יצחק דומה לאברהם. ועידו הכל אברהם הוליד את יצחק and then everybody said אברהם he's the father of יצחק וזהו שכתב כאן יצחק בן אברהם היה שהרי עדות יש אברהם הוליד את יצחק אוקיי so רש"י רש"י says this פסוק somehow solves a problem after all we know רש"י doesn't say it here but we, it says elsewhere Abraham was very old and Sarah was very old and it was very unlikely that they would have a child but if the child looks like his father so that's a kind of indication that, that it was in fact the son of, of Abraham the next pasuk the next pasuk vayhi Yitzchak ben arba'im shana bekachto et rivka bat betuel הארמי מפדן ארם, אחות לבן הארמי לא לאישה. So he had the whole story, right? The, like, who, we, who are we talking about? We're talking about Yitzchak, who was 40 years old when he married Rivka. הארמי מפדן ארם. He came from way off in the east, in Bavel, what we call today Bavel, Babylonia. אחות לבן הארמי לא לאישה. So, of course, uh, the reason that the Torah tells us this, gives us all of this information about Rivka, is because it could have come up. Because, you know, Lavan Ha'arami and Padan Aram, it's all going to be part of the story, so we want to get it in right at the, right at the, at the outset. Rashi says about Arba Imshana, Ben Arba Imshana, <coughs> שהריג שבא אברהם מהר מהר המוריה ועקידת יצחק took place יצחק wasn't killed but it took place there נתבשר שנולדה רבקה ויצחק היה בן שלושים ושבע שנים שנה שהרי בו בפרק 
בו בפרק בית עשרה. ומשנולד יצחק עד העקדה שמת עשרה שלושים ושבע שנה. ובת תשעים הייתה כשנולד יצחק. ובת מאה ועשרים ושבע כשמתה. She was 127 years old when she died, as we learned from the beginning of Chayei Sarah. Right, so Rashi is going through a few dates. Rashi was, was always concerned, especially in Breshit, was always concerned about dates, how much time passed and how much... Uh, because after all, what he does is, what Rashi does is that the, the Pasuk, the Pasuk says, Ben Arba'im Shana. So if uh, we already know that he was Ben Arba'im Shana, maybe it behooves us to find out how old she was before this time and after this time and all the highlights, all the highlights of her, of her life. Okay, let's go to the next pasuk. Vayater Yitzchak Lashem Lenochach Ishtoga Yitzchak David, right? Lashem. Facing his wife, they faced each other. I mean, I don't know, I don't think there was a mechitza. And ki akarahi, she didn't have any children, she was barren. And then, as a result, I guess in the Pasuk, it seems to mean that as a result of the prayer, as a result of the fact that they beseeched God then uh, God uh, created this miracle and she became pregnant because she was an Akara. She was an Akara. I mean, uh, 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 Sarah was an Akara. Sarah's like because of her old age. But she was an Akara because she didn't get pregnant. Right? So that's the, the best we can do is call her an Akara. Rashi, Pasuk Kaf Aleph. You see, it's the fourth wide line in the Rashi. Vayater, Herba v'hivtsir b'tfila. Rashi... What? Well, Sarah was a kara her whole life, not just when she was nine. Oh. Well, I mean, is when, when she, before she became pregnant, it would be... Uh, it, I mean, that's true. Thank you. Before she became pregnant, however, she was... You know, in spite of whatever happened before, she would certainly not be able to get pregnant now. So, Rashi says, We are terlo, nit patser, nit payes, nit pata. She asked and she beseeched and she begged, Vomer ani, Rashi's talking right, in, his, in his own name. Kol l'shon ayin tafresh, l'shon haftzara, revu yat. Who? V'chein, he has some other psukim like that as well. And then, v'yater lo, v'yater lo. I mean, this is like a crucial Rashi. If uh, Rashi says, v'yater lo, lo, lamed vav, v'lo la, that God paid attention to him but did not necessarily pay attention to her. That's amazing. I mean, everybody knows that women daven better than men. But in this case, it doesn't seem to be the case. It doesn't seem to be the case that, but again, 
וכן ויתר לו, I'm sorry, ויתר לו, לא ולא לה, לא ולא לה, שאין דומו תפילת צדיק בן צדיק לתפילת צדיק בן רשע, לפיכך לא ולא לה. אוקיי, I mean, everybody can say a drosha about this Rashi. I mean, it, maybe it's true. Maybe it's not always true. But Rashi says, what Rashi says is that Tzadik ben Tzadik has greater access to God than a Tzadik ben Rasha. Right? Now, what exactly Rashi means and why that should be the case, I mean, I could understand that it's a drusha on the Pesach. Drusha on the Pesach, but why, why should it be true that a Tzadik ben Tzadik should have of more to say in heaven than a tzaddik ben Russia. A lot of people would argue that a tzaddik ben Russia is the more difficult achievement, the greater achievement, whereas tzaddik ben tzaddik, I mean, that's easy. Everybody can be a tzaddik ben tzaddik, but Rashi says clearly that I learn it from the word. I learned from his adresha, that I learned from the, from the word. And then he says, L'nochach לנוכח אשתו זה עומד בזווית זו ומתפלל וזו עומדת בזווית זו ומתפללת. But one of them, Yitzchak, is standing in one corner and davening and she, Rivka, is standing in another corner and davening. מתפללת ויתר לו, לו ולא לה, right? Now, so, so that's the story. This story, that's the story, the first story. The first story in the parasha is that there was a difficulty, the same difficulty that Sarah had, not the same physical difficulty, but the fact that the child was going to be born through a, a miraculous intervention of some sort. I don't know exactly, but there was difficulty. They had to call upon God to help them, to help them have a child. The same thing was true about Sarah. Sarah didn't have a child. They had to turn to God. And, and even after turning to God, there was, there was a certain difficulty that Sarah had believing that she would actually have a, have a child. Uh, and so now we start the second story. Right? The second story is about the children, about the embryos, children. Vayitro pasuka bet vayitro tzitzu abanim bekirba. Right? Vayitro tzitzu is a word that that means agitated. That they were agitated, habanim, the two sons bekirba. Vatovim came lamaze anochi. I mean, she didn't like being agitated, I guess. And she said, if I have to go through this pain, and I go through this pain, I mean, who needs it? I'll be better off. Uh, he says, Hashem. Uh, that's a that's a difficult one, Lidrosh et Hashem. But if you would uh, if we look at the Rashi, Lidrosh et Hashem means just that to to make a demand on God, to ask God for something, to explain something. The Rashi says, Lidrosh et Hashem sheyagidla matehe besofa. This is why Yitro Tzitzu was apparently a lot of agitation, a lot of difficulty. And she didn't understand 
why she should have so much, so much difficulty, right? Pasukav Gimel, Pasukav Gimel. The pasuk says, "V'yovah Hashem la shnei goyim lebivitneich u'shnei leumimi me'ayichi paredu u'laomi laomi ye'emats v'rabi avot zayir." So even though God responded to Yitzchak's prayer, because Yitzchak was a tzaddik ben tzaddik, this pasuk says mm. that there was something special that Hashem shared with Rivka. And what is that something special? You could call it a prophecy. You call it a prophecy because the explanation is that what's going on? What's going on? Why, why are you in such pain? God is going to explain to her. <coughs> and the, and the, in other words, the pain is caused by an untenable situation. And what is the untenable situation? What is the untenable situation? That uh, <coughs> the untenable situation is that the two of them, the two children cannot get along with each other. But beyond that, there's also a hint that one will win and one will lose. And that was the secret information that Rivka received from HaKodesh Baruch because there's no indication that this information was shared with Yitzchak. Yitzchak didn't, maybe he didn't know about Vayitrotzitzu, about the pain, maybe he didn't know about what's going to be, he certainly didn't know about Laom Laom Yoamat. So assuming that the word Laom means something like what we call a nation or a, a people. Laom Laom Yoamat. If you look, uh, you look at the Rashi, the Rashi says, that's what the means that you have a king. Look, it's organized. It's something there to stay. It's, uh, it's impressive. Right? And then the, uh, it says, Lo yishvu bigdula. They're not going to be equal. These two children that you have inside of you, kishezeh kam zenofel. When one rises up, the other one falls down. Right? Vechein hu omer, and this is in the pasuk in Yecheskel amal a amal a acharava. Lo nitmalu tzur. Ela mechurbana shel Yerushalayim. The Tzor is a city up north. I mean, it's in Lebanon. So that, you know, the, the greatness of that is the weakness of this. Right? You remember that Shlomo HaMelech, in order to get material to build the Beit HaMikdash, with, had to turn to Tzor at Sidan, which had apparently a lot of wood, and a means of getting that wood, if it wasn't so easy, of getting that wood by boat to, well, Tel Aviv, from Tel Aviv to, I mean, there was no Tel Aviv, yes. But. So, in, in, in other words, the secret, 
the secret that Rivka learned from HaKadosh Baruch Hu at this time was that the two children that she was going to give birth to, that those two children will always be at odds and fight, actually, they'll go to war against, against each other. That was the secret. That was the secret. If you accept that principle, or accept that interpretation, that everything is understood. Everything's understood because Yitzchak, Yitzchak, who was a, a nice guy, and felt that everything that God wanted or that God demanded would should be should work out correctly. I mean, after all, your Yitzchak, he just had he he, he just went through a kedat Yitzchak. He did something impossible, Yitzchak. They they were of a like mind. They were like mine. Like, like Abraham didn't know why God wanted him to sacrifice his son, but he was prepared to do it. And Yitzchak certainly didn't know why God wanted him to, to, to sacrifice his son, and he was absolutely prepared to go down the path of, of Yitzchak, to go down the path of, of Abraham. So here we have two parents are going to have two children, but one of them knows something that the other one doesn't know. And the, the, the thing that what, what she knows is that they are going to be at odds, these two children. And that ultimately one has to win and the other has to lose. But it's not going to be. Whereas Yitzchak, Yitzchak, he thought that the two children would work it out. It would, it would happen. So now they were children, or they were embryos, or they were babies, or whatever you might call them. So okay, so brothers sometimes have arguments, but eventually it'll work out. You know, they'll get old. The brothers will get old, and then everything will be fine. Everything will be fine. But now we understand, if that's true, if that pasuk represents a prophecy that went to, uh, to Rivka, then we understand the continuing stories, all of which are based on this idea that Rivka knew something that uh, that uh, uh, Yitzchak didn't know, and so, so when it says when it says in the pasuk here a little further, yeah. they grew up. This pasuk of Zion. Okay, they were different. They were radically different. So I could imagine that they were the kind of parents who like that. Like the idea that they have children that are not exactly the same or carbon copies of each other. They like that. And the last pasuk on the sheet is, It doesn't mean that Yitzhak liked Esav more than he liked Yaakov, but he liked him because he had a skill that was de- we could depend upon. And so when Esav was hungry, he could say to, I'm sorry, when Yitzhak was hungry, he could say to Esav, could you, could you get me a hamburger? Get me something good. Get me something special. That all was nice. It doesn't mean that he didn't appreciate Yaakov. 
doesn't mean he didn't appreciate Yahweh. He appreciated Yahweh. He was a Torah scholar. He was, uh, he was, in, uh, he was alone. So Yitzchak, who must have had some notion that he was part of this new world that was being built, I mean, you needed a nation. And in a nation, with a nation, you couldn't just have one kind of person in the nation. There had to be different kinds of people, different kinds of people, different kinds of people would make up the, the new nation of Am, Am Yisrael. So, uh, so this is what I think, this is what I think the simple pshat is. That Yitzchak, Yitzchak, because he was an olat mima, he saw the goodness in everything, and he saw the potential goodness in everything. That's why Yitzchak, well, we could say he made a mistake, but he made a mistake based on a, a, a principle of education, right? Educa educators have to think that it's going to work out. Right? That's the way, that's what an educator is. You just got to keep giving everybody in the class confidence that it will all work out. I mean, the different all kinds of people. You'd have a class of thirty or forty or fifty children studying whatever. They always uh, some of them have a problem. It has nothing to do with uh, with raw intelligence. It's just that uh, I mean, there's so many factors that you can get that you can get along without. That some of those fact factors always get in the way. So. So again, when Esau came hungry and asked Yaakov for food, right, asked Yaakov for food, so Rivka said, oh, it's the struggle. This is the struggle. Who's going to be the Bechor? Who's going to win? We don't even understand what that means. I mean, what difference does it make if you call Esau the Bechor or you call Yaakov the Bechor? <coughs> but Rivka understood it as part of the struggle. And she was committed to Yaakov. She knew something that Yitzchak simply did not know. And she couldn't relate it to him, probably, because it's not like getting it from God. Right? And, and like, she's not a professional prophet. You know, she's, uh, she does what she does. So this was all, this was all, uh, the story goes on. Of course, the story about the brachot, Right, the brachot. Uh, uh, so, what's the story? What's the story? Uh, she wanted to make. I mean, I mean, uh, I have. We haven't got time for it. I think, but you know, you should know. You should remember that the brachot that Yaakov offered Esav were not the brachot that Abraham offered Yitzchak. Those brachot. Even Yitzchak knew that they had to be shared. He couldn't give them to one of the. It was like, uh, like Yaakov Avinu decided to give brachot to Shimon Levi. They go together. It's so they they had to come together, and they receive brachot. The same thing is true. The same thing is true about Yitzchak. Yitzchak wanted to give brachot to Avraham. To Yitzchak wanted to give brachot to Yaakov and to Esav. Because for Yitzchak, the only explanation that he could have for the fact that he had twins, the fact that there were two of them, is that they had to be equal. 
exactly the opposite of the of the position of the prophecy that was received by by Rivka, that the correct one, the correct one will be able to push the other one away, to deny his authority, to deny his, as Rashi says, malchut, deny his kingship. And she knew that. And she knew that. So her mistake was that she thought that Yitzchak was going to pass on the bracha of Abraham to Esav. And she had to stop that. She was committed to stopping that because, after all, that's what God told her. So she had to, she had to stop it. But, in fact, even Yitzchak, who didn't know about all of this, understood, understood that, that you couldn't give the bracha unilaterally to Esav. You could give him a bracha. You give him a bracha about riches. You give him a bracha about... about uh, strong, a strong position on Olam Hazeh. You can give all of that to Esau, but you can't give Esau the bracha of Abraham, the bracha that the land and will belong to you and your progeny will continue to... He knew that, but he didn't know how to get out of that, out of that, uh, 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 that conundrum. How is he going to get Yaakov and Esau to work together? How's it get Yaakov and Asa to work together? So we don't know. So she did what she did, right? What did she do? She dressed him up with Asa's clothes, and the smell was the smell of Asa. And he went in, and he got the bracha. He got the bracha. Now it would seem from reading the the, the Chumash that Yaakov fooled Yitzchak, but it's not so clear. Yitzchak, after all, said, "What did Yitzchak say?" Like, what did he say? Why did he say that? He Yitzchak. Yitzchak, why did he say that? He said that because he, he was not sure. He wasn't sure who he was talking to. And that was the hint that Yitzchak received that indicated that this would not be the future. That the two of them together did not represent the future, but they had to separate and, and, uh, and become, become one. Okay? You see, uh, under the, the next section, uh, the next psukim, Vayomer Yitzchak el Yaakov, Gishana v'amishchab b'ni, come close to me, and I will feel your arms, right? Doesn't that seem suspicious that he would do that? He couldn't see. He was wearing, Yaakov was wearing Esau's clothing. And he says, Velohi Kiro, he didn't he didn't recognize him. Kihayu Yadav Kidesav Achiv Sharot Seirot Vayevarcheu Seirot Vayevarcheu. I mean, the fact is that he was blind, and that he had to trust his sense of hearing, 
and the voice and his sense of smell to try to understand. So you see that that it's possible, certainly possible to say that that he uh, he didn't know what was going on. He didn't know what was going on. Okay. That is another point I'd like to make. If you look at the, the second sheet, or the second side, there, there's a Gemara quoted from Sanhedrin, Dafsari Bez Amadala. You see that Gemara? Mm-hmm. So the Gemara says this, Anybody who changes his, uh, his witness, he said one thing, then he says another, or simply put, there's anybody who lies, Anybody who lies, ke'ilu oveda vodazara. So, I mean, you know, there are a lot of things that are ke'ilu avodazara, but it means it's a bad thing. It's really a bad thing. There's no way of, of justifying it. K'tiv hacha v'ayiti be'enav k'mitateya. Yaakov says to his mother, if you make me do this, He's going he's gonna to catch on. I'm going to be like a, I tried to fool him. Hevel they are nothing. Right? People who lie. People who lie are doing nothing. So at the end of the day, Rabbi Lozer and the Gemara what? People that are, people that are, are lying are doing masehevel. And so? When you, when you say it's nothing, you don't mean that it's meaningless. You mean that it's a bad thing. Yeah, it's a bad thing. He said it's like a Zora, right? Mm-hmm. He says like, it's nothing worse than that. So, so what about this point? What is the point? Yaakov says to his mother, but I'm a liar. And his mother says, don't worry, I know best. You just do what I say. So where is this resolved exactly? Where is this resolved? So it may be that it's resolved, as we said, in the nature of the actors, in the nature of Yitzchak and Rivka. Yitzchak and Rivka, and we understand why Yitzchak beat Rivka in Tfilah, but Rivka beat Yitzchak in prophecy. It's what is, what is, uh, what's the better tefillah? The better tefillah is the one that somehow goes to God. That, that's what, that's what tefillah is. It's not the content of it. After all, in those days there was no content. I mean, no specific content that was repeated by all. But what was tefillah? What is tefillah even today? Tefillah is a way of approaching God. Right? It, it, in my life, in the way I live, in what I do, God doesn't play a particular kind of role. I mean, sometimes things happen, terrible things happen to people. They need help and support, so they turn to God. But if they don't need help and support at that particular moment, they don't really turn to God. So the halacha, the halacha gives us all, men and women, an opportunity 
to try to keep at it, to try to maintain it, to try to keep the, the, the tefillah. They, and that was something that Yitzchak was able to do. He was able to daven even better than Rivka was able to daven. But what we spoke about before was prophecy. Prophecy is something different. Prophecy is an achievement. An achievement, the Rambam says, the Rambam says, that anybody can theoretically achieve prophecy. Well, you have to just work at it. You have to learn a lot of Torah, you have to do a lot of good deeds, you have to be, you have to be a, a great person, and then maybe God will bestow upon you prophecy. But it's not like tefillah. Tefillah is something that everybody can do theoretically. I mean, uh, I don't think people do it, but uh, you could do it. You have the wherewithal. You have the wherewithal uh, uh, to do that. So these two people, these two people, Yitzhak and Rivka, were radically different. Were radically different in their in their persona, but they were also radically different about uh, lying. About lying. Yitzchak said, it says you can't lie. You know, in the Kabbalah, in Kabbalah, Yitzchak is called Tiferet. Chesed, Gvur, Tiferet. I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Yaakov is called Tiferet. Right? Chesed, Gvur, Tiferet. And Tiferet equals Torah. So it's interesting, and just as a sidelight, there's nothing to do with Kabbalah. It's just, you know, like a little wind that I'm making. But Kabbalah says that Yaakov, that Yaakov is Tiferet, means that Yaakov is, that Yaakov is Torah, Tiferet, the Torah synonyms in the Kabbalistic, in a Kabbalistic system. How could you call Yaakov Tiferet, if he is the greatest liar of all times. I mean, why? I mean, you, you can't say that the Balea Kabbalah, that the Arizal, didn't know this parsha. You know, like uh, every year he went away when they when they had the parsha of Tilda. It's hard to say that. So what what was it? Where did they see the connection? Where did they see the connection between Yaakov? Tiferet, Torah, and another word for Torah is, another word for Torah, emet. Emet. What is emet? Unwavering truth. The Torah represents the truth. The truth. So now, Yaakov went with his mother and fought for his truth against the truth of Yitzchak. Against the two leaders. So say, I would say this. Just, you know, offer a, a suggestion. When, when Yitzchak thought about the truth, there was only one truth. It was whatever God told him to do. There was no introspection. 
there was no, we all know people like that. I don't mean that they're like Yitzchak exactly. What I mean is that they're this type of personality. Everything is simple. Everything is obvious. Everything is clear. There are people like that. You know many of them, right? And, and, and that's a person who sticks to the truth. Sticks to the truth. But the truth that he sticks to is the obvious truth, the real, the regular truth. But there's another kind of truth, and that's the truth behind the truth. We don't usually know what it means. We don't usually know what the reality that we find ourselves in, what it means. Why are we here? Why are things so good for us? Why are things so bad for us? Why is it that we do know things and why is it we don't know things? We don't know all of those things. So Yitzchak, Yitzchak said, God provided us with twin boys. Well, that must be meaningful. It's not like Yitzchak and Yishmael. It's not like Yitzchak and Yishmael who came from two different mothers and, and were clearly and obviously not the children of they were not the children of Abraham, both. It was only Yitzchak was the child of Abraham. Yishmael was not. And the same thing is true. The same thing is true about the twins. No, the same thing is not true about the twins according to Yitzchak. Twins were both born as a result of prayer. And therefore the prayer should indicate that the twins are as they should be. Right? They are the ones from whom the truth will emerge. But Rivka had an advantage. She received the prophecy. And since she received the prophecy, she knew that Yaakov and Esau could never live together. So because of that, she did what she did. And Yaakov did what he did. But they did it in defense of the truth. Sometimes even a lie can be employed as a defense of the truth. And so Yitzchak, Yitzchak saw his children as being the foundations of the foundation of a new world, of a new identity, of new people who would create a nation, the nation that God spoke to Avram Avinu about. Rivka knew that this could not happen. It couldn't happen. So she was working for the truth that she received as a prophetess. And that's how, that's how Rivka convinced Yaakov that in order to fight for the truth, he would have to be deceitful and even, even to lie. So when the Gemara, when Rabbi Loza said, when Rabbi Loza said, somebody who lies, it's like idolatry, that's only, it's of course true if he doesn't have a higher truth that he's trying to get to by telling, uh, uh, by, by not telling the truth. Okay, all the best. Have a good Shabbos. When she said, I take it on myself, then really in light of what she said, it's a kind of different interpretation because she said, I'll take it on myself. Yeah, good. Knowing that she has additional information. Right? That, that I, I would think so. Right? Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. But it's still difficult with Rabbi Azar. What, what? It still feels very difficult with Rabbi Azar. 
Because he's, he's not talking about Rivka, he's talking about me. <laughs> Except that he quotes. So we're talking about me, that's all right. But he doesn't, he quotes the Psukim of Yaakov. What? But the Psukim that he quotes in his, as proof of his point is Yaakov. Oh, right. further. Okay. In the, in the I mean, I, I mean. So you say there's a difficulty between my interpretation and and the Gemara, but I still like my interpretation. <laughs> Why not? But I think it's. Uh, I'm still struggling with Rabbi Keeper from last week. Oh. Okay. <laughs> All the best. Yeah, that was. <laughs>